This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis, and if you're not watching the video, you can't see that I am like grinning from ear to ear. It's almost hurting at the excitement I have over our next guest, Mr. Hal Elrod. And I'll tell you what, I have been following Hal for, I can't tell you how many years. We actually happen to be in the same Ignite Advisory uh, speaking group as well. But I have been following and stalking Hal for a long time behind the scenes and pitching his everything behind the scenes to my clients. And without further ado, I just want to say thank you, Hal, so much for taking time out of your, I know, so busy day to just humble me and join me and be able to share with our listeners your story. Well, Jen, you're welcome and ditto. You know, thank you for taking the time to, to have me on and, and thank you for sharing my work, The Miracle Morning. Uh, that means more to me than you know. So this is really, really, I'm grinning just like you. Okay. <laughs> so I really <laughs> appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, we'll both grin. So let me go ahead and read your bio for those people who have not heard about it, just real quick. But you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of things today, um, some tactical and some mindset. We're going to do a little both. But after surviving multiple near-death experiences and impacting millions of people through his books, Hal is now on a mission to elevate the consciousness of humanity one person at a time. He is the author of the international best-selling book, not like some of us who have a best-selling book for 20 minutes on Amazon, which I have <laughs> <laughs> and can officially say I have, but international best-selling The Miracle Morning, which is translated in 37 languages and sold over 2 million copies. And his newest book, The Miracle Equation, he's doing exactly that as well. I have to say, Hal, I love that. I'm going to ask you this question. This is one of the questions I want to ask you is, when you wrote The Miracle Morning, did you set up the name so that it could be translated into all the other ones that you've done? Because your books are The Miracle Morning, the Miracle Morning for Real Estate Agents, The Miracle Morning for Millionaires, The Miracle Morning for Mommy. You know, it's like everybody. Yeah. That was actually a friend of mine. It was a very organic idea. I had thought of it when The Miracle Morning started taking off. I had thought of maybe I could do a series or something. But yeah. a friend of mine, Ryan Snow, uh, who was a realtor for Keller Williams and a sales trainer, he reached out to me and he said, Hal, have you thought about doing The Miracle Morning for salespeople for doing a series? And I said, well, I, it's crossed my mind, but I'm, I'm really focused on the original, getting the original book in, in the hands of a million people at that time. And he said, 
I think we should do a series. He said, because I've taught the Miracle Morning to all of my agents that I manage, that I've trained. And he said, and every single one of them that's doing the Miracle Morning, their sales have increased, their motivations increased, their health, their happiness. He said, it's been a game changer. He said, and I think we should do a Miracle Morning for salespeople that's specific with affirmations for salespeople and different rituals for salespeople. And I said, I love that idea. You want to co-author it with me? And that's how the series was born. It was very organic. And then I, after that, I met Honoré Corder, who is the, my kind of partner in the series. And uh, she's managed and helped create all of the books. And um, yeah, the rest is kind of history, as they say. But no, when I first wrote The Miracle Morning, I couldn't see past, <laughs> you know, right, one book, getting that one book, book and going, yeah, going down that road. And it's funny, he says that because I can't tell you how many times I've purchased the book and brought it to a training session for realtors or, you know, shared it with my team and said, look, in order for us to be on the same page when you walk through the door, I need you to subscribe to this. And you can do the six minute version or you can do the one hour version, but you have to do the version before you walk through the door. So you can stand outside and do it for all I care. <laughs> right? yeah, I and um, I think that's just super incredible. So I want to g- kind of go back though. Let's just kind of rewind a little bit and find out where did this all perpetuate from? And I, I know that you had one near-death experience that perpetuated that. And then there's another experience as well. So if you don't mind sharing with us about that experience that led you to believe that life's short, we need to make some yeah. changes. So share with us yeah. about that. Yeah. I used to call these my rock bottoms, where you reach a point <laughs> in your life, we've all been there, an experience yeah. that really tests you and challenges you and scares you and causes you to question yourself, your faith, yeah. whatever it may be. Now I call these my wake-up calls. We all can relate. We've had wake-up calls throughout our lives. When I was 20 years old, I was driving home after I gave a speech at a Cutco sales meeting. I was a salesperson for Cutco Cutlery. And driving home that night, my car was hit head-on by a drunk driver at over 70 miles per hour. My car spun off the drunk driver and the car that was behind me crashed into my driver's side door directly in my door at 70 miles an hour. And if you can imagine a car hitting you in the door at 70 miles an hour, Yeah. Instantaneously, I broke 11 bones on the left side of my body. I broke my leg, my arm, my pelvis, so on and so forth. I began to lose a lot of blood. And an hour later, when they had used the jaws of life to cut me out of the car, I had bled to death. And my heart stopped beating for approximately six minutes. I was rushed onto a helicopter to be airlifted to the hospital where they revived me and brought me back to life. I then spent six days in a coma. I flatlined twice more. And I came out of the coma to be told that I would never walk again. And my first memory was kind of about a week after being out of the coma, meeting with the doctors, them assessing my progress. And I just decided, you know what? I'm committed to giving everything I have to walk again until I'm proven otherwise. I will maintain unwavering faith that I can and will walk again. And I will put forth extraordinary effort in order to do so until proven otherwise. And then I made that simultaneous decision that if I never walk again, I'll be at peace with it because I can't change it at that point. There's no point in feeling sorry for myself. There's no point in being a victim. There's no point in wishing I could walk when I can't walk. So I had this simultaneous mindset where I expect the best case scenario while I simultaneously accept and am at peace with the worst case scenario. And then in 2008, when the US economy crashed, it was my second wake-up call. It was the first time I lost kind of everything. I lost my house. I was in debt. I couldn't pay the bills. It was very scary after going from kind of creating the success to losing it all. And uh, I got really depressed, really scared. And then it was a series of events that led me to this breakthrough that if I want to change my life, I have to change myself first. 
I decided to create a morning ritual, even though I wasn't a morning person, because I had been Googling, what are the world's most successful people do every day? What are their routines? Yeah. And I kept coming across morning routines and morning rituals, but I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not a morning person. Where, where's the success ritual for those that wake up at 7 a.m. or whatever? And I finally, after reading enough articles, I was convinced that I've got to create a morning ritual. And I decided I want to create the most effective, you know, extraordinary, proven morning ritual in the history of morning rituals. And that became the Miracle Morning. And it changed my life so quickly within two months of doing this morning practice in the middle of 2008 when the economy was crashing, which I've always been not excited, but I'm optimistic. Like when the next economic crash comes, which I'd say never more than now, are we kind of like seeing, okay, the ground feels a little unstable, right? Yes, it definitely Um, does. I know from experience that, because I'm not the only one, millions of people have done this where when you take control of your inner world and you take control of yourself, you're able to dictate how you think, how you feel, what you do, and therefore the results that you create in your life. And as the economy continued to crash, I doubled my income in two months. And it was simply by reading books, using affirmations, visualizing and applying all of these practices that I was doing throughout my workday. And then I saw the results. And so kind of the rest is history, as they say, you know, I I started writing this book, The Miracle Morning. It took three years. I self-published it. Like I didn't have a following. I had no idea. Oh yeah. Nobody knew who I was, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had no idea that it was going to be as big of a deal as it has been, but it's been, I was committed. I made a mission that I will change 1 million lives one morning at a time. And I will do everything in my power to reach a million people with this book. And it took six years. I, I tried to do it in one year. It took six years finally to reach that million person mark. And then now as it's expanded, the new mission, which is this movie coming out, is to elevate the consciousness of humanity one morning and one person at a time. And that's where this whole Miracle Morning, not just the book, but it's become this movement and it's this global community. And there's, it's not just me anymore. It's millions of people that are really passionate about waking up and elevating their own consciousness, fulfilling their own potential. And then going out and being that impact, that ripple effect to the life of every person that they touch. Yeah. And I definitely, we talked about this in the green room. We can talk about it now, but you know, I share this story. I mean, so you have millions of people sharing your book. It's not just you to millions of people, but I mean, that's how it just manifests itself into what's become this. And truly it's a following, you know, it's a following. It's not just, oh, I sold a bunch of books. It is truly a following. And to a certain extent, somewhat of a cult (laughs) in a good way. I got that the other day. We actually got a guy that emailed and he was upset saying this is a cult. And he kind of went off about it. And I go, I guess I need to look up the definition of a cult. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) we'll find a different way. But I mean, it truly is a following and it's something that people are finding. So I want to kind of backtrack just a little bit. And I want to ask you about death because I've experienced this as well. and, And I woke up very afraid that I didn't see a light. And I'm very spiritual. So tell us about really, really that experience. Did you ever, you know, on the backside of that, did you have any experiences that kept you from living your true life, that you had these risks and this reservation? Because I imagine there was a period of time that, and maybe not for you, but that you went through, you know, saying, I'm not going to get in a car. I'm afraid of this. Maybe I should be more conservative. Maybe I should reassess before you actually, the light bulb came on and said, wait a minute, hold on. I need to change things. So walk us through the pain that happened there too. Did you have those thoughts, those things? Because I personally did. That's why I'm asking. I'm asking to 
kind of lighten myself because I just second guessed everything I did that wouldn't have happened if I didn't this. And I really blame myself and I didn't have give myself the grace to forgive myself for so long. And then once I did, that became a message for everybody I talked to. Yeah, for me, it was relatively quick. What happened was in the hospital, you know, so I came out of the coma and I'm told I'm not going to walk again. And I had to process that. And I didn't feel pain as much as I felt just kind of disbelief. Like, like I can't even wrap my head around because I came out of the coma and all of a sudden, you know, I didn't even know where I was or how I got in the hospital. And Right. And I had brain damage. So I didn't remember, I would literally, my parents, my family, my friends would tell me what happened to me. And then I would fall asleep and wake up hours later and I would have forgotten what happened to me. And so it took days for me to actually no. process yeah. and even get this to understand what was going on. And then ultimately I ended up, the doctors called my parents in one week after I came out of the coma. So this is two weeks after the crash, right. one week after I came out of the coma. I'm just starting to like get my bearings and such. And the doctors called my parents in and they said, we're concerned with Hal's mental and emotional well-being. Oh, wow. They said, and at that time, you know, physically it was already, you know, everyone was saying, I'm not going to walk again. But my yeah. parents at that point were just kind of like, they just wanted me alive, you know, I mean, after they yeah. almost lost me. And the doctors said, every time we interact with Hal, he's always smiling and laughing and telling jokes to make us laugh. And they said, frankly, that's not normal. They said, you know, that's not normal for a 20-year-old young man who's being told he's never going to walk again just to be happy and smiling and laughing. And so they asked my parents if they would come and talk to me to get to the bottom of how I was really feeling because the doctor said I was deep down, I was probably scared. I might have been sad or depressed, um, possibly angry that this happened. And they wanted to get me to admit those feelings so that like the therapists and the counselor, psychologists, that they could work with me through this. So my dad came in that day and I looked at him and I was watching television. I'm sitting in the hot, you just picture, you know, this is two weeks after I was found dead, after I broke these bones, my leg is, you know, in a sling, my arms in a sling, my eye is all sewn up and with a bandage over it, my ear had been almost completely severed. It was sewn on and, and my dad, I look at him, he says, can I talk to you for a second? And I look over and his face is red and his eyes are welled up. And I turned off the television. I, I said, dad, what's wrong? And he said, well, how physically they, the doctor said you're stable because I had flatlined twice more in that first week, three times yeah. total. And he said, but they're concerned with your mental and emotional well-being. I said, okay, what do you mean? And he explained their concerns. And he said, Hal, how are you really feeling? It's okay to be sad and scared and depressed and angry. Those are normal emotions, but you have to admit it. You can't pretend like everything's okay. And I really went inside to consider what my dad was asking me and the doctors, their assessment. And it only took me about 30 seconds, Jen. And I looked at my dad and I smiled Hmm. and I said, dad, I thought you knew me better than that. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, remember, I live my life by the five minute rule that I learned in my Cutco sales training, believe it or not, (laughs) which said it's okay to be negative when things go wrong, but not for more than five minutes. There's no value in dwelling on something that is now in the past that you can't go back in time and change. The only intelligent choice we have is to accept our life exactly as it is, be at peace with it, focus on where we want to go and what's in our control now to move in that direction. And I said, dad, by the way, we were literally taught in Cutco to set our timer for five minutes when something right. would happen. And, and by the way, this was a much Going milder stomp. adversity. No sales or canceled yeah. orders or right deals that fell through. But we were taught to set our timer for five minutes and give ourselves five minutes to really feel the emotions. Bitch, 
moan, complain, cry, punch a pillow, like (laughs) feel it, right? But then after five minutes, you take a deep breath, you turn the timer off and we would talk to say these three words, can't change it. Yeah. And it's an acknowledgement. I can't change it. I can't go back in time and change it. Yes, it was horrible. Yes, it wasn't fair. Yes, it was blah, blah, blah. But so many of us are suffering over things that happened not just five minutes ago, but five hours, five days, five decades ago. Yeah. The memory of something that was unpleasant causes us pain. And here's the big aha. We tend to think that we feel emotional pain based on the thing that we're thinking about. Well, of course I'm upset. Look at what she said or what he did or what I lost or what didn't go my way. Right, right. But the reality is all of our emotional pain is self-created by our resistance to our reality. It's our wishing and wanting that something were different that we can't go back in time and change. So I said, dad, I can't change that I was in a car accident. I can't change that I broke 11 bones and I may never walk again. I don't know. I said, but there are only two possibilities the way that I see this. Number one, the doctors are right and I'll never walk again. And I've already imagined if that is my future, I have already decided I will be the happiest and most grateful person you've ever seen in a wheelchair because I'm in a wheelchair either way and I I will not let my circumstances define or determine my emotional well-being. Right. I said, so that's possibly number one is I never walk again. And if that's the case, I'm happy, I'm grateful and I'm in a wheelchair. But the second possibility is I might walk again. I really don't know. But because that's what I want, I'm focusing all of my energy, my attention, my emotion, visualizing what I want, praying about what I want. I imagine walking in every single day, knowing that if I don't walk again, I'll be at peace with it. And for everybody listening, like realize that's one of the greatest lessons that we can learn to be truly at peace with our life, happy and moving forward is to accept all things you can't change unconditionally to give yourself that gift of inner peace and focus all of your energy on maintaining unwavering faith in every possibility that you want for your life and doing everything in your power to move in that direction. And you do both of those simultaneously. Accept the worst case scenario, expect the best case scenario and move toward that and don't dwell on what you cannot change. Yeah, no, it's really powerful. You know, I just had a retreat this weekend with my team and we talked about this resistance to forgive and that we're just constantly saying that was unfair, that was unjust, that shouldn't have happened to me. And I think the reason why it's very powerful for me right now is this year, after having gone through savers, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but going through the Miracle Morning every day for years and years and years and really working on me is that this year during COVID, there was enough silence in my chaotic life of traveling and speaking. And, you know, and I think this is what a lot of people are going to go through now is because there's enough silence around us that I finally had that breakthrough. And for me, it was, you know, I was a nine-year-old child and my father was an alcoholic and there's a whole bunch of other things that are there. And, you know, I was just constantly going back and saying, it's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. And then my fault, because I wasn't perfect. If I were perfect, they wouldn't be like that. And decades. You said five decades, and that's five decades for me. The decades of doing that. And when I finally was able to release that, I don't know, I just have this air about me that walks around just a little bit different. And there was a falseness there. There was a armor that I was able to poke holes in and then eventually fling it off. And so that's what you're talking about in, you know, in the miracle morning. So I want to ask you a question about that, but I'll come back to the miracle morning in just a second. 
I'm curious to know of all of the books that you've written, which one touches your heart the most? You're probably going to say Miracle Morning because it's my first. But seriously, which one kind of is the one that just is like, wow, that was good. And that's going to touch more people than ever before. It's definitely the Miracle Morning. The Miracle Equation, which is my newest book, there's there in some ways it touches my heart because I went through this cancer journey the last three and a half years. I've been battling cancer. And that book was written out of that, out of how did I beat cancer? I'm cancer free, but how did I beat cancer and what can I share with other people? And while the Miracle Morning was part of that journey, the Miracle Equation was really this unwavering faith and extraordinary effort, these two decisions that you make every day that enable you to create what I call tangible, measurable miracles in your life. However, the Miracle Morning is the greatest, in terms of impact, I think it's the greatest gift I've ever greatest contribution to humanity I've ever made. And so until further notice, my mission in life is to elevate the consciousness of humanity one morning at a time. And it's by enabling people. And here's why. I was talking to my team about this today. My team, we had a call. uh, It's the movie team and we're launching this documentary. And we had a call about it today. And the call was, we started out, why are you, we wrote down, why is launching this movie and getting the miracle morning to as many people as possible Why is that important for you personally? Why is that important, do you feel, for other people? And why is that important for for society, for the globe? We have, I had six people on the call and everyone shared and it was so empowering. They all reminded me of how this had changed their life, which is why they're on the team. You know, it's not like I didn't just hire these people. They all kind of came through this Miracle Morning community and came into my life. And when you take time every morning and dedicate that time to getting quiet, to reading your affirmations, to meditating, to focusing on what it is in your life that you want, who you're committed to being to achieve what you want, to contribute what you want to the world, it gives you this space to raise your awareness, your conscious awareness as to how every thought that you think, every word that you speak, everything that you do impacts your life, the lives of every person that you touch, the lives of our society and the planet, right? And most of us, if we don't have that practice in the morning, we're not doing that. We wake up and we just go in and we eat the same thing we ate yesterday and we we watch the same thing. We we just keep repeating the same day over and over. But by taking that 30 to 60 minutes in the morning, you're able to get clear and get intentional with how you live your life. And then you're able to, you see these amazing results. So that's ultimately for me, the miracle morning is the most impactful practice I've ever seen in my own life and in the lives of the millions of people that are practicing it, the thousands that have sent me personal messages. Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. I mean, I look back on when I first got it and you and I were talking again in the green room about Brian Buffini, you know, who is the number one real estate coach in the country. And I was actually being coached by him, even though I was a lender, which is a whole other story. And, you know, and that's when I was introduced to you on stage, you know, when you were at one of his annual summits, his mastermind. And And I started putting the Miracle Morning into play. And it wasn't even, I think it was a year and a half or two years later that I was in the top 200 loan officers in the country. And I can contribute that to Brian Buffini and his coaching. And I can contribute that to Miracle Morning because I got my head on straight every day. And I do think there's a phrase for this that says, you know, where you focus is where you go. And it's some... Where your attention goes, energy flows or something something, like that. Yeah, like any iteration of that, you know, and a lot of times... People in in sales, entrepreneurs, all of that, you know, the attention is just wherever someone's pulling them the furthest. And they just don't have 
I talk about this all the time about slowing down to speed up instead of speeding up to slow down. If they could just slow down in the morning and take even just the six minutes, which I think I've only done once, maybe twice. Yeah. I've done the full thing all the time. But if they could just do that, then that energy would flow that way. And their chaotic lives, you know, the lives that we're all experiencing with just, we're all sick. We're all yeah. sick. It's just part of it. And so I think that that's extremely, extremely powerful. So I want to kind of dive in for people that have not heard of this. Can we just dive into savers for a moment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I have a very specific question in V that I'll stop you with that one. But if you wouldn't mind just sharing with us the concept of what the Miracle Morning is all about. Yeah. So the way that this unfolded, I decided, I heard a quote from Jim Rohn. He said, your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. Yeah. And the way that I equated that is on a scale of one to 10, if we're measuring success that we want in every area of our life, not just business success, but success right. in our marriage as a parent, on a scale of one to 10, we all want level 10. We want to be as happy, as healthy, as wealthy, as free as we possibly can. But then when I assessed my level of personal development on a scale of one to 10, it wasn't at a 10. It was like back then, it was like a two or a three. 2008, I was really struggling. And I believe this is the disconnect for the majority of our society is we all want level 10 success. But if we are honest with ourselves about our level of personal development, yeah, there's a big gap. Um, and the way that I look at this, yeah, you've got to become a level 10 person, the level 10 version of yourself, I should say, in order to create and sustain level 10 success. And that comes through daily personal development. Yeah. So I Googled best personal development practices. I Googled personal development practices of millionaires and billionaires. I Googled what are the world's most successful people do? For, like, I just Googled all these phrases around trying to figure out what are the best self-development, personal development practices. And I had a list of six. And at first that overwhelmed me. I thought, oh man, I need, I'm like looking for the top number one, right? right, right. And as I reviewed this list of six and I read articles and I researched each one, none of them stands above the other as more beneficial. They're all equally beneficial. It just depends on who you ask. Some P CEOs, there's an article on Fortune 500 CEOs who swear by meditation. I would never correlate that, but they attribute meditation to calming their nervous system, giving them clarity. They're some of their best ideas that have moved their company forward have been in periods of meditation. And so as these six practices, I was about to throw in the towel because I was so overwhelmed going, ah, I don't know which one to do. Yeah, seems and the like epiphany, everything. the light bulb moment, yeah, was what if I did all of these? Yeah. What if I woke up tomorrow, I did the six most timeless, proven personal development practices in the history of humanity that the world's most successful people in all walks of life have sworn by for centuries. And I ended up, it wasn't until years later that I was writing the book and these six practices, which by the way, initially were meditation, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling. And I was writing the book and I was frustrated. I go, I went to my wife. I said, sweetheart, I would just literally, I can picture this in the hall between my right. office and our bedroom, cross paths. And it was like this defining moment. And I go, sweetheart, I don't know what to do. I've got these six practices that I want to teach, but I didn't invent any of them. And there's no way to really connect them in a cohesive way. They're just six random practices. And she goes, why don't you get a thesaurus and see if you can swap any of the words right, for the words. similar words? Yeah. And make it into an acronym that people could remember. And I kissed her on the face and I said, brilliant, let's try this. And so meditation became silence yeah. and yep. journaling became scribing. scribing. And mm -hmm. now you've got savers. Yeah. Silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and scribing. And I love the acronym because as I describe in the book, these are the lifesavers. These are the six are. practices that if you do these every day, that will save you on missing out on the life that you want to live, that you deserve to live. And any one of these will change your life. 
But when you do all six of them, you do see miracles. I mean, you, the change happens so fast, you can't believe it. And it happened first for me, but then I taught it to my coaching clients, it happened for them. And that's when I went, well, wait a minute, if this works for me and it works for my coaching clients and most of us weren't morning people, including me, I thought this could work for anybody. And so silence is your five or 10 minutes of meditation every morning. You can use an app, you can sit in silence, you can go to YouTube and find a free meditation video, right? There's a lot of different forms of meditation, but the benefits of lowering your stress, calming your nervous system. And for me, my best ideas are while I'm meditating. So I have my journal right there because I always have to pause a meditation timer and then I have to write down an idea <laughs> to come revisit later. Yeah, right. Yeah. The A in affirmations, I won't give any like hardcore training on these, but I will on a couple of them. So I'll do affirmations and visualization. Silence, my favorite form of meditation is something that I came up with called emotional optimization meditation, where instead okay. of just quieting your mind and following your breath, you actually begin your meditation by asking which emotional state or states do I need to be in today? Do I need access to today? Ah, on any yes. given day, it'd be like happiness or gratitude. But on certain days, if I have an important meeting coming up where I need confidence or poise, if I have a lot of stuff I need to get done and I need clarity and focus, those are the states that I'll access in the morning. I'll ask myself, which state do I need to access? And then I will spend five or 10 minutes accessing that state and just marinating in that state, if you will. And the way I'll do that is like, for example, if it's gratitude, I'll think about something that makes me grateful. I'll get in the state and then I'll just stay there and try to go as deep as I can. If I need confidence, I'll think of a time in my as recent or distant past as I can when I was feeling confident and I'll go there, visualize it, I'll imagine it, I'll go there in my mind. And what that does is you're conditioning those states so that you can ultimately easily go there every day at will because you're conditioning it in the morning. It's kind of like your exercise for your mind, body, and spirit. The A in affirmations or in savers is for affirmations. And this is an important one. Most people, I think affirmations are very misunderstood because they've been taught in this kind of goofy way where it's like, just tell yourself something that you want to be true until you believe yeah. it, right? I am wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am healthy. I yeah. am thin. If you're overweight, yeah. like it doesn't, lying to yourself is never the optimum strategy. So I teach three, in the book, I teach three steps for affirmations. Number one, don't affirm what you want or affirm something that's not true. Affirm what you're committed to. I am committed to blank. Number two, affirm why it's deeply meaningful to you. Why is that a must? Why are you fully committed? Why is that crucial? And number three, affirm which specific actions you'll take and when. So now you're not affirming some woo-woo, goofy, I am amazing, blah, blah, blah. You're affirming a commitment that you've made, yeah. some sort of outcome. You're affirming the specific actions you're going to take and when. You're affirming why it's meaningful and then the actions you're going to take. And when you do that every day, you're aligning your subconscious mind your conscious thinking and your behaviors with what it is that you're affirming and what you're committed to. And individualization, you said you had a question on that, so I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, and it's funny as you're talking about this. And so if we're on video, you're going to see me move. Oh, and he just moved too. That is so funny. That is so funny that he you moved. So we're both on video. We both just stood up simultaneously, <laughs> not even knowing we were going to do that. That's funny. <laughs> and I'm sharing my daily affirmations book. And so it's kind of funny the way that you're talking about that, because I wake up at not knowing about the emotional optimal med optimization meditation. Optimization meditation. Yeah. yeah. Not knowing about it. When I get up in the morning, I have actually put my affirmations. Some are my affirmations. Some are quotes. 
but I've actually segmented them into the wheel, the wheel of life, right? Business, spiritual, whatever. And so I get up in the morning and I'm thinking, you know, what do I need the most today? And I don't think, what is my day like? Now that's interesting, but I think, what do I need the most today? Today, I think I need more business. A lot of times it's because of what happened yesterday, which, right, is a history. Tomorrow's a mystery and today's a present. That's why it's a gift, right? And, yeah. and a lot of times it's like, you know, how did I feel yesterday? And I was like, I kind of need a little boost of business today. I need a little boost of spiritual today. And that's where I do my affirmation. So just kind of funny. I did yeah. like a little combining of them. Um, for me, silence is prayer. I mean, that is prayer. Yeah. And I do some reading in prayer too. So I've got a little bit of both, but, but I just think that's kind of interesting. Yeah. I wanted to talk about visualization. I know you're going to get to it and stuff. I'm not a vision board person. I've even tried the app right? The vision board app and (laughs) drop stuff in. And while I do the visualization, I tend to talk to myself about imagine. I say, imagine what it would be like to stand up on a stage, you know, and I'm on stages all the time. Well, it used to be, right? I'm on stages all the time, but, but my visualization is imagine standing up on the stage and somehow, some way, you know, there's a light that flows around to one individual. And I know that I'm making a difference in their life, right? So for me, I found that Imagine helped me get through visualization, but I am so excited to ask you about how you get through visualization because I think a lot of people think, you know, I'm going to go cut up a bunch of pictures in a magazine and put them on a little postcard like I was a little kid. I'm going to look at it every day and it's supposed to change my life. I think there's more to it than that. And I want to hear it from you. Yeah, I call vision boards invisible boards because usually they end up, you know, unless you're very active and committed and disciplined, they kind of become background noise on the wall um, after a while. And so, yeah, I've struggled with visualization. It's been my most challenging of the savers, which means I've had to figure it out, right? Because I wrote the book on it. And so here's first and foremost, for anyone listening to this, consider that the world's greatest athletes, the world's top athletes from Olympians to the Michael Jordans and Serena Williams of the world, they swear by visualization, right? They visualize themselves performing at their best before the game starts. So that when the game starts, they've already rehearsed. I call it mental rehearsal. That's the best to me, just way of thinking of it. The problem with visualization is the way that we've been taught the whole vision board strategy, or which is really just a form of visualizing the end result. And that's it. The problem with that is if that's all you do, if all you do is visualize yourself at the end result, you're missing the most important part, which is the process that will produce that result. And so that's where the world champion athletes don't just visualize themselves holding up a trophy. They visualize themselves taking a jump shot with perfect accuracy. They visualize themselves, right? They mentally and emotionally rehearse. So here's the two-step process for visualization. Number one, Yes, visualize your ideal outcome because that fuels your desire and your drive to make it happen. It also enhances your belief. Something that right on day one might seem so far off that you can hardly even imagine it. Well, if you visualize it every day, it starts to become real more and more and more real and you become acclimated to that possibility becoming a reality. So that's step one. Yes, there's value in visualizing the end result. Step two though, and the most important step is bring it to today. Ask yourself, what do I need to do today to ensure that I'm moving in the direction of that outcome, that result? And then visualize yourself like a movie, see yourself performing, whether it's making sales calls or going on a run or engaging with your kids, whatever it is, see yourself doing that in a peak emotional state and then feel those feelings. So here's a real-time example. 
when I was training, I trained to run a, a 52 mile ultra marathon oh because gosh. I hated running and I had never run more than a mile, which was in high school when you had to, I hated yeah. running. So that was why I thought I really want to challenge myself and get so far out of my comfort zone that I'd have to become a different version, like a better version of myself to pull this off. So I hated running. Once I finished the marathon, I'm like, I'm done. And I really haven't run never since. Never do this again. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, never do it again. Exactly. Like I checked it off the bucket list kind of thing. So yeah. when I was training for the ultra marathon, I would first spend a few minutes visualizing myself crossing the finish line. And I did have a printed off picture of the Atlantic City Marathon finish line. So I literally knew what it looked like when you crossed it. So I oh, visualized yeah, so you that. You have to imagine what the atmosphere was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. As true. clear as your vision yeah, can be, yeah. the better. And yeah. so I would do that and I would see it and I would start to get excited. And that would create that drive and desire to make it happen. But the most important part of visualization is I would then bring it to today and I would visualize the alarm on my phone going off and I would hear it beep, 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 beep. And yeah. I would visualize myself picking it up and looking at it at 7 a.m. and turning it off because that's when I committed to run. <laughs> yeah. yeah, visualize pushing the button. Yeah. Visualize myself going into my bedroom closet, getting dressed in my running clothes, walking through my living room, opening the front door, and I remember this very vividly. I always visualize myself smiling uh -huh. as, and, and a rush of emotions as I open the front door and I would see through my eyes the pavement, the sidewalk. And I would usually affirm something like, this is going to be a great run today. I'm going to feel amazing. I'm becoming healthier and stronger and developing my stamina so that I can finish that ultra marathon and complete my goal. And then I would visualize myself heading out and going on to the run. And here's what that mental rehearsal does in real time. When my alarm went off at 7 a.m., I didn't have any of that resistance of, oh, I hate running. Uh, maybe I'll just skip today. I literally, without even thinking, I picked up the phone, turned off the alarm, walked into my bedroom closet, got dressed in my running clothes, headed out the front door, opened the front door. And as you might imagine, I smiled. I was flooded with positive emotions yeah. that drove me to that run. That's the power of visualization when it's done in this manner. Yeah, I love that. I love it. And thank you for sharing that with me because it, I love being vulnerable because, you know, we're not perfect. <laughs> right? And I sure. just say, oh, I get through these things every time. I've wondered for seven years, longer, maybe even longer than that. I've wondered, am I doing this part right? And so it's just, I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to ask you directly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so let's move on to exercise. Oh boy. Yeah, so this isn't rocket science and, yeah. and I'm not gonna give you a lesson in exercise. Yeah. What I'm gonna tell you is this, the benefits of morning exercise are imperative. They're, they're very important. In terms of your mental acuity, your ability mm -hmm. to think clearly, when you get blood and oxygen to your brain, you think yeah. much more clear. And also energetically, the benefits of, in fact, in the Miracle Morning movie, we interviewed Robin Sharma. Mm -hmm. And Robin Sharma, if you don't know who he is, he's written you know, dozens of leadership books, one of the best-selling authors in the world. And he said the benefits of morning exercise have been scientifically proven to last as long as 13 hours after the exercise takes place. Wow, yeah. So all I'm doing here is saying, don't wait until the afternoon to exercise. I'm not saying you need to go to the gym in the morning or go for an hour-long, 30-minute all you need is five to 10 minutes of getting your heart rate up. My morning exercise is I go for a bike ride around the neighborhood. Now I realize it's gotten cold as of very recently here in Austin, Texas. But so for me, it's I would do some stretching and then I would do some jumping jacks. And even if you do a minute of jumping jacks in the morning, even if you do like you mentioned the six minute miracle morning, yeah, do yeah. one minute of jumping jacks yeah. and you will be at a different level. I mean, you'll be awake, you'll be attentive, you'll feel energized, your breath will be flowing blood and oxygen to the brain. So you've got to exercise even for a few minutes in the morning. 
The R in savers is for reading. And I believe we're all one book away from learning something we need to learn to transform any area of our life. You want to improve your marriage? There's a book for that. You want to be happier, healthier, wealthier, want to be a morning person, right? There's a book for that. (laughs) And so reading, and here's a little math for all of us. If you read just 10 pages every morning, that's 3,650 pages a year. That's the equivalent of 18 200-page self-help books. Yeah. Let's say you did half of that, just five pages a day. That's almost a book a month. Yeah. You're going to separate yourself from the majority of society since only less than 1% read, consistently read self-help books in our society, right? You want to separate yourself and you're not separating yourself. Hopefully all of us start reading, right? But you want to separate yourself from where you were or the average person is. Or your competition or yeah. Yeah. It's gaining that knowledge that you can use to improve your life. And the final S is for scribing, which is a fancy word for journaling, but writing down what you're grateful for in the morning writing down your highest one, two, three at the most priorities for the day of that long 10 item to-do list, right? Get really clear. What are the items that are going to make a difference? For me, that's my main journaling that I do is the top three things I'm grateful for for the day and the top three specific measurable actions I'm committed to taking that will make the biggest impact in my personal and professional life. Those are the savers. Yeah, Any one of them will change your life, but all six of them done in 30 to 60 minutes every morning or as little as six minutes if you're busy doing one minute each, but that is the miracle morning. And that's what has enabled now millions of people. It still blows my mind to think that, but to transform any area of your life that you apply the savers to. Yeah, I love that. And you know, one of the things I'm so grateful for, you know, as I was reading Miracle Morning the first time, and by the way, I've read it a thousand times. And by the way, I tried to find my book so I could show you that I have it. I mean, it is dog-eared, highlighted, (laughs) you name it. It's ugly. You know, I just go back in and go, oh, now I want this one. And so then I had to change different color of highlighter to remind myself, this is the stuff I want to do. That's funny. It's so funny. But I was so grateful that you're scribing, you know, and it's funny as an author, you'd think I'd love writing, but I can't write as fast as I think. So I get really frustrated and I was so happy when it was like, just do the bullet thing. And of course, I'm a high ID, right? So I just run, blah, 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 blah. And I was so thankful that that was the way I could scribe. But for those that want to do more, this is the opportunity to take the time to do more. And then I was going to tell you also with exercise, during COVID, I've been gamifying everything, like gamifying. Like I make my tea in the morning, but I can't drink it until I do 15 push-ups on Nice. I love it. Right? (laughs) Yep. And then I start bringing it into my office and I'm like, okay, now you can't sit at your desk until you do a couple of planks. Yeah. Right. And so I've really been gamifying myself, you know, to get that exercise up. So I just want to share that with everybody else. That's too. awesome. That's pretty interesting, too. No, I have. Um, a, well, just so you know, I actually have in my morning, I call it my mission time. I have to get my number one priority done in the morning to earn my smoothie. Right. So that, that's right. A, very that's similar. Thing. That's exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that would be a good book, too. We got to figure out something like that. But yeah, I mean, that's what I'm doing is gamifying it and saying, you know, you don't get that tea until you do those push-ups. And especially at, at my age now, because I'm getting older, I got to do that. I have yeah. to do those two things. But so I want to just ask you as we kind of finish up our time together, and I'm so grateful that you're spending so much time with us. But in the miracle equation, I read a little bit about it when I purchased it before I get it, you know, before I get it. But you were saying that we're just two decisions away from having everything we want. So What are those decisions? Can you share a little bit about what we're going to find in the book? Yeah. And I touched on these a little bit earlier. In the equation. The the miracle equation, what's interesting about this, 
I think that people that have read The Miracle Morning and then they saw The Miracle Equation came out or if they followed my work, they would probably think, oh, well, he's really milking this miracle concept. And the irony is the miracle equation is something I start, I named it the miracle equation and started practicing it roughly seven years before the miracle morning was even an idea. I never thought it would be a book. When I was diagnosed with cancer three years ago, I was given a 30% chance of surviving. It was a very rare, very aggressive form of cancer. I was 37 years old. My daughter's seven. My son was four. So that was the scariest time in my life, of course, you know, being told, you have a 70% chance of dying and leaving your kids without a dad. And mm. on the day I was diagnosed, when I was, you know, you're racking your brain, how am I going to beat this? What do I do? How do I separate myself? If statistically, I don't have good odds, how do I transcend those odds? Yeah. And there's yeah. this thing called the miracle equation that I started practicing when I was in sales to break company records. I would use this formula to try to accomplish things that no one in the history of our company had ever accomplished before. And that's why I called it the miracle equation because I, I figured if you ever did something never done before, that's a miracle, right? That's it feels miracle. like a miracle. Yeah, absolutely. So I immediately remembered, oh, the way I've defied the odds in the past was using the miracle equation. That's the only tool that I'm aware of that I can pull out and use to beat this cancer. And the two decisions, by the way, if you study the world's most successful people in all walks of life, you will find that these are the two decisions that they make over and over and over and over again. It's basically a way of living is that you wake up every day and this is the two decisions that the world's most accomplished, fulfilled people in all walks of life. These are the two that they make. Number one, unwavering faith. Yeah, You have to maintain unwavering faith that you can overcome anything, that you can accomplish anything. And the faith is in yourself. It's in yourself. It's also in, it can be both in yourself and in a higher power. It can be in God or the universe or higher consciousness, whatever you want to call it, right? That thing that's bigger than all of us, right. that source of energy we can all tap into. And for me, that's God, of course, but, or not of course, but that's God. <laughs> and so unwavering faith, yeah. when I took my first, if you think about this, when I was told I would never walk again, I had unwavering faith that I could walk again. And when I was told I was gonna die from cancer, I had unwavering faith that I would beat cancer. In fact, I read an affirmation during my miracle morning every day that said, I am committed to maintaining unwavering faith that I will beat cancer. Actually, I think it said heal myself from cancer and live to be 100 plus years old alongside Ursula, Sophie, and Halston, my family. No matter what, there's no other option. That's what I call a miracle equation affirmation. Yeah. I am committed to maintaining unwavering faith that I will blank no matter what, there is no other option. And when you read that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, every single day, you become that commitment. There is no other option. And it aligns your subconscious and your conscious mind, right? I believe a, a lot of From science is showing mind-body connection. Yeah. And uh, twice now, these two times, I, you know, the doctors couldn't explain how my body healed so quickly. And I believe it's not, I'm not special. It's because I focused all of my energy on that unwavering faith that I would heal. And the second decision is extraordinary effort. So mm -hmm. once you're maintaining unwavering faith, you can't just sit back and stare at a vision board and think that things are going to magically change in your life. You have to put forth extraordinary effort. And for me, extraordinary effort is actually defined as consistency. It's yeah. not about working 80 hours a week and sacrificing your family to be an entrepreneur. And a, No, this is about doing one thing every day that moves you in the direction of your whatever your miracle is, whatever your tangible, measurable miracle, as in your biggest goal, your biggest dream, that outcome you're committed to. Yeah, and so if you can maintain those two decisions, 
unwavering faith and extraordinary effort every day for as long as it takes to reach your goal, I believe that the only variable is timing. And right now, the Miracle Morning movie is the miracle. We're trying to, it's releasing on 12-12-2020, and we're doing a live online world premiere. And my goal was for 10,000 people to watch the film. I thought, I don't think I've ever had 10,000 people buy my book on day one or do anything on day one. And so my team came back and they go, Hal, we don't want to stress you out, but we think you're thinking too small. You're the guy that wrote the miracle equation. We think that we want to have 100,000 people people. watch the movie on 12-12-2020. And so to this day, it's still hard for me to get my mind around that, but I'm maintaining unwavering faith. I have an affirmation every day that says, I am committed to impacting 100,000 lives with the Miracle Morning movie on 12-12-2020 because they need it now more than ever. In less than two hours. Add that. Yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's the reason we made the film is because my mission is to elevate the consciousness of humanity. But my friend Nick, who's a filmmaker, came to me and he said, Hal, what percentage of humanity reads self-help books? And I said like 1%. Yeah, I mean, there's a statistic, isn't, I don't know the exact number, but it's really sad. It's like something less than 3% of adults read a book after high school. Read Exactly, yeah. After high school. Yeah. So, and everybody who's listening to this can get tickets. So we want to make sure that everybody gets a ticket to this miraclemorningmovie.com um, and you can get tickets, you know, and let's just help support Hal and making sure that he gets, gets to this hundred thousand dollar mark. And, and if we share that with everybody we know, you know, I think that would be great too. So I want to ask you a question, last question. So when you think about, you know, you mentioned Jim Rome, I'm a big Jim Rohn fan. I mean, it's just like all about him and obviously Les Brown, because I had the wonderful opportunity to speak with him on stage and, and get to know him. But when you think about quotes, what is a quote that really moves you? Something that just sort of embedded in you that is your go-to, you know, I got, I'll give you an example. I have a couple, but for like every day, this is an affirmation for me, which is, and I say quote, but it's, it could be an affirmation. Um, And I say, Lord, take me where you want me to go. Let me meet who you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say and keep me out of your way. Amen. Right. That's like something that I just live with and live and breathe with it. You know, it doesn't have to be work. It could be my grandkids. It could be anyone. So is there something that you always sort of go back to it and you're like, gosh, that's so true. So true. I'm constantly looking at that. I have a lot of them. One is this. Enjoy every moment. As simple as that is, when you walk into my living room or into my house, that there's a beautiful picture on the wall that says, enjoy every moment. And I really want you to think if you're listening to this, realize that everything that we do in life is we're looking for joy and we're looking for love. We're looking to experience, right? What you could use different synonyms, but we'll say we're experiencing that feeling of joy. And think about most of us have these rules where We only allow ourselves to feel joy if things go as according to plan. And for me, every day, part of my miracle morning, part of my emotional optimization meditation is that state of joy. That's my default every day is to experience joy no matter what's going on around me, because ultimately joy is dependent on what's going on inside of you. And there are people that have problems that are much worse than ours that are happier, right? People that have figured out, oh, my outer world needn't determine my inner world, right? My circumstances not define how I feel inside. And so that's it is every day, I just try to take a deep breath and smile and enjoy every moment. 
makes me want to just take a deep breath, which I just did. I mean, every time I, did, yeah. <laughs> I take a deep breath. Okay. So Hal, um, obviously everybody can find you on your website. I'll have the links there. Just remind everyone about the Miracle Morning movie and making sure that everybody gets a ticket there and certainly get the book. Get the book. You can get it on Amazon. It's available there. So go up and get the book and get make the change. So what are your parting thoughts that you want to leave with everyone today? Yeah, wherever you are in your life right now, just always remember that it's temporary and you can embrace the perspective that it's actually exactly where you need to be to mm -hmm. learn what you need to learn in order to become the person that you need to be to create what you want for your life. And so often we wish we were further along. We wish we weren't going through what we're going through. But it kind of goes back to the enjoy every moment. It's like, look, you are where you are and you accept life exactly as it is to give yourself that gift of inner peace. And then when you are in that state of inner peace, then you can actually choose to enjoy every moment. And from that place of joy, you can wake up every day, dedicate time to becoming the best version of yourself and then going out throughout your day and implementing, executing, acting on that version of who you're becoming. And as you do that, you're both optimizing your inner world while you're optimizing your outer world. And both the inner and the outer start to mirror and reflect each other. And to me, that's living life in alignment. And that's how it's supposed to be lived. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how you become significant, right? Because you're giving to the world the gifts that you have. That's exactly you know, how it is. Absolutely love that. Well, Hal, I want to say thank you again. It is such an honor to have you here and to spend time with you. I mean, I'm just all giddy. Um, I'm trying to be a professional interviewer here. You did um, great, Jen. Super <laughs> professional. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you so much for sharing this with my audience and the people that are listening to me because you're just bringing so much value to them through me. And I appreciate that so much and just want to wish you the best. And I hope that your cancer, I don't want to dig into that, but I hope that you do well. I hope it doesn't come back. And I hope that you live to be 101. I'll be gone. But you know, <laughs> one, I'm much older than you. But you live to be 101 and have your family with you. And I wish you all the best, all the best. In the thank day. you, Jen. That means a lot. I really appreciate you. Thank you. So everybody, thank you so much for listening and taking time out of your day to share it with us. And I hope that you have left with another aha moment, another something that changes your life and moves the needle forward in your life, in your business, whatever you're looking to do. And I thank you again for listening. And we'll catch you next time on this podcast. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.